0: The ability to know what you should do. The desire to want to do it. And the faith and power to live it out. The ability to know what you should do. The desire to want to do it. Then to have the tools of the faith and power to live it out. That ultimately is true freedom. True freedom. Have you ever done this? You talked about doing something for weeks and maybe months or even for years that you should be doing and you just are not doing it. Am I the only one that that's ever happened to? (laughs) I mean, it could be your health, could be a diet, could be uh, going back to get more schooling, could be in relationships, could be in your spiritual journey, but you've talked about it and you've talked about it and you've talked about it. You know what you should do. What would be happening in your life right now if you had started a month ago what you know you should be doing? What would be happening in your life right now if you had started six months ago what you know you should be doing? What would be different in your life right now if you would started a year ago what you know you should be doing? Because here's the deal, right? Being aware or having knowledge is not enough. And even having conviction is not enough. It's got to move to action, which moves to transformation and change. It's got to go there. Just not enough to know what you should be doing. It takes us time to get there. Sometimes time, it's a journey. We're in a series now called Somebody, as you saw, and it's Jesus taking people that kind of are nobodies and elevating them to somebody. Jesus had an unbelievable habit of doing that. He came. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. He came to elevate one of the guys we're going to talk about today, or the guy we're going to talk about today, is one that many of us know about. I mean, we've heard about him—the Apostle Peter. We know a lot of stories about Peter. I mean, I mean, there's more information in Scripture than we can cover here in a three-hour sermon. I'm going to preach to you. No, I know. In this 35-minute, 40-minute sermon, I'm going to preach. So much Scripture we couldn't cover it. But when I look at Peter's life, Peter, again, a fisherman, is elevated, right? He's taken from a blue-collar situation, and he's elevated. And we see his life. If you read Scripture, we see his life. He's probably most famous in many ways. Uh, There's a couple of different things. But one of them is him denying Christ three times or saying he would not and he did at the time of his, right before his crucifixion. We know him about that. We know about it. but, But there's a lot of things around Peter's life that we could talk about here today. But there is a pattern, I believe, in Peter's life that I think we can learn from today, and how Jesus, after he met Jesus on the banks to where Jesus of where Peter ended up, there's a lot of things happening in that window of time that I think, if we look at it today, may be helpful to each of us. now I'm going to try not to preach like five different sermons. <laughs> That is the one thing, because we could take any of these stories that I'm going to share with you, your scripture today, and camp out on that passage of scripture. Hopefully that's not what happens here, okay? Because one of the things we teach, uh, I teach in, in mentoring and everything, preach one sermon at a time. <laughs> one sermon. Don't try to preach five, preach one. So we'll see how this goes today, okay? The first passage of scripture I want to read, or you can follow along and you can read, is found in Matthew chapter 4. Verses 18 through 20, and it's very famous. Very, I mean, most of many of you know this already. Matthew 4, 18 through 20, and as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you. Uh, I will send you out to fish for people or make you fishers of men, many of your translations. At once. You may want to circle that if you have it in your Bible. That's pretty important. At once. Why is that in at once? (laughs) At once. They left their nets and followed him. Talked to you last week a little bit about the fact when I talked about what we can learn from little children. One of the things little children know that delayed obedience is disobedience. If you're a parent, you know how that works. (laughs) You told them to do something, and if they decide to do it three days later, that's disobedience. If they decide to do it 30 minutes later, that's disobedience, right? Delayed obedience is disobedience. And I love this, at once, at once. They laid down their nets. But the first step in this is respond to the call. Respond to the call. How you respond when Jesus comes. Now, many of you know my story. When I was 16 years old and God was calling me and I knew it and he was wooing me, I responded with a hardened heart and I dealt with that hardened heart for a decade. And there is scattered mess behind that hardened heart. We respond, like I heard a Baptist preacher one time, somebody asked him at at Luby's or wherever, where Baptist preachers go to eat, I don't know, but anyway, (laughs) but anyway, somebody asked him, because I love, I was saved in a Baptist church, I love the Baptist church, but somebody asked him one time, and and you've heard me say this before, asked him one time, said, how many decisions did you have today? He said, we had 250, we had 250 people decide not to do anything, (laughs) we all decide, we all respond right we, we all do we respond to the call but how did peter and john uh, peter and andrew respond to the call at once at once peter had an occupation peter was married how many of you even knew peter was married peter's married i mean his mother-in-law was healed I mean, we know he had a mother-in-law. Surely you wouldn't just have a mother-in-law, right? Who would want that, okay? <laughs> just a mother-in-law. <laughs> right. Surely there's a wife that gets to go with that. But anyway, I digress, okay? I know that's not in my notes, that's for sure. But I need to get back over here. Stay right here, Kurt, right? Talk, right here. Even though Peter, in many ways, is maybe most famously known for denying Christ, it never silenced the call on Peter's life. Even though I denied Christ at 16, it didn't silence the call on my life. It was still stirring around in there. It was still wooing if I would just allow it to. There was no escape from it. And one of the things, and you've heard me say here uh, from Eugene Peterson's son that I have fallen in love with this thing. I spoke it over my granddaughters yesterday as we were out in the yard. I was working, they were riding their little Arctic cat, and I was just saying it over and over. And God loves you. He is on your side. He is coming after you. He's relentless. I scared them real bad, but anyway, it's all right. God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. That's good news, folks. That is good news. Here's the deal, though. Along with Peter, you and I, when we respond to the call, we have no clue what that means at that moment. But you know if you've heard the call to follow me. Just think about this, just, just real quick. How many of you know that Peter lived almost 40 more years after this? This wasn't a three-year call or a five-year call. Peter lived almost another 40 years I'll come back to that towards the end of this message, why that's significant. Or one reason it's significant. Respond to the call and you never quit responding. Respond to the call. That's the first step. Second is this. I'm going to read out of Matthew 14, through 33. And I appreciate that. I tell you what, sometimes... The Lord is so far ahead of us. How many of you ever know the Lord just didn't just go, what are y'all doing? Okay, I better step in there. He's ahead of us. And Jeff, you standing up here speaking this morning about storms. Obviously, I know it was in the song too, but you speaking specifically about storms, you didn't know I was preaching. I didn't know what you were going to say, but I want to read this passage of Scripture here, and you read along with me immediately. Jesus made the disciples to get in the boat. And go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed him, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake... They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat and the wind died down, then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, let me give you a little backdrop here. I was studying this part right here. And it just, I I don't know why I never think about this. Inside of this same day, this is at night, I don't know what time exactly, but it's at night. That day, Jesus had just found out that his friend and cousin and the person forerunner of him, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded that day. He's trying to grieve. He's trying to grieve. And guess what? Hey, we got to feed 5,000 people all in the same day. Now, some of you start working, working through your, oh, my life gets interrupted all the time. This is inconvenient following after Jesus. Look at Jesus. he's just now dealing with the death of his one of his favorite people he's trying to mourn that and they go hey we got five thousand people showing up and then after all that and by the way these disciples at this point have been out doing miracles they'd been out on there doing cool stuff and they come back and here they're out on the water and jesus goes, you of little faith The winds blow. The waves get high. If you're not in a storm right now, you will be in one, or you know somebody who is. The trees will bend. The waves will rise. I love what Max Mercado said years ago. He said he was in Florida during a hurricane, and he said he was in college, I think it was, and he was living on a boat with some other guys, and and the hurricane was coming, the forecast. So they were tying off their boats to all the piers and all the posts and everything. And this old fisherman comes by and says, what are you guys doing? They said, well, we, the storm's coming. We've got to tie ourselves off here. And they said, well, what are you doing? He said, I'm going out to the deepest part of the water and drop anchor. They said, well, why would you do that? He says, because everything you've tied your boat to is going about to get blown away. He said, but I'm going to go out to the deepest part, anchor deep, and give enough slack for me to move. Some of you, it's your marriage. You're about to go through a storm. Some of you don't even know it's coming yet. You don't even feel the wind blowing. You don't even know it's there yet. Some of you, it may be a bad report you get on your health. It may be a rebellious child. It could be a lot of things. But what you will find out is this. That there will be no time... Figure out where your anchor points are. They're already set. They're already set. They're already set. You will have no time in that moment to make a phone call to anybody and say, hey, I need to get a philosophy right now. You already have it. Peter and the disciples, in the middle of this moment when they freaked out and they were afraid and the winds were blowing and the waves were crashing, they had an opportunity in that moment for it to become a great spiritual marker and it did because the word says it did. Now listen to this. It was in these moments that Peter and the disciples, that at this point, they had seen Jesus feed 5,000. They had seen the miracles. They had heard his wise teaching. They had marveled at it. But that night, they saw God. That night, and Scripture says they worshipped him. First time in Scripture it says that. It's the first time in their journey that Scripture records that at that moment they worshipped him. You know why they worshipped him? I believe because before other people's rear ends were on the line, that night theirs was. Jesus is enough. And you worship him. Second step. You have to come to the He says, follow me, one. Second, he has to be enough and you worship him. You don't attend worship. That's not what I said. You worship Him. Let me say this about a storm. Don't ever let a storm go in vain. God uses, God allows storms to happen where we will be afraid enough, scared enough to seek after Him, and He stays close enough for us to eyeball Him. But don't let it go in vain. Whatever you're going through, don't let it be in vain. Let God do what only He can do. Take the worst the enemy even wanted to throw at you and use it for His glory. Don't let it go in vain. Here's the famous, if you will, Matthew 26, 69 through 75. Now, Peter was, and this is after the Lord, I mean, after the... uh, at the last supper in the garden Peter has told Jesus I will never deny you I won't do it I won't do it I won't do it and here we are now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him you also with Jesus of Galilee she said but he denied it before them all I don't know what you're talking about Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again and and an oath this time. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. I wonder what that sounded like, huh? (laughs) Then he began to call down curses. Now let's just escalate this, right? And he swore to them. I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. There's a whole sermon in there. But that last part, when you realize you're not who you thought you were, it breaks your heart that you have hurt him. I've told people for years, sure, you can trust me for a lot of reasons that I try to be a man of integrity and everything. But one of the things I hope you trust me on, that I never want to break my relationship with Christ. I never want to do anything that would hurt mine in his relationship. Whether it's in my marriage or whether it's in a relationship, I want to do things that represent and keep that first. Even before my wife or my kids or you guys. And when you know you've let Jesus down, I hope the first thing is not because of condemnation. You just realize, that breaks my heart. But here comes this Jesus guy again. I love this. In Mark 16, 7, he says, but go tell the disciples. This is after the tomb now. This is after Jesus has been resurrected. He said, go tell the disciples and... Peter, go tell my buddy Peter, it's okay. It's just okay. The third thing is, I think, in Peter's life, he realized someone really believed in him. Someone believes in you. Get this. I love what Max Decato goes on to say. He said, what a line out of Mark sixteen seven. It's as if all heaven would wanted to help Peter back up again. Be sure and tell Peter he is not left out. Tell him one failure doesn't make a flop. It's not every day you get a second chance. If you ever wondered what would cause a man to be willing to be crucified up, down, upside down, maybe you know. It's not every day you find someone who believes in you. You know I say it over and over when we talk about an uncommon talking about being one of if you want to be a great influencer in ethos, one of the things believe people can. Believe in people. Sure they'll let you down. Sure it's a risk. Sure it is. But believe in people. Jesus did. Look at us. You get it later. John twenty one fifteen seventeen. Does this seem like sermons or is it all tying together? I hope it is. I hope it's still tying together. One. Respond to the call. Two, he is enough and you've got to worship him. Three, he believes in you. Even after you failed, he believes in you. Four. John twenty one fifteen through seventeen when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your family? Do you love me more than your church? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. First off, what I love about this, Jesus says, Simon, son of John. It's kind of like when your parents use your full, (laughs) Kurt, Sidney, Gentry. Yeah, my middle name's Sydney. You know they want your attention, right? Have you ever had that happen? you ever done that to your own kids? It's kind of like that. I need your attention. Look at me. Jesus, I mean, Peter gave Jesus his undivided attention. Peter gave Jesus his undivided attention there is a journey that you walk on where he finally begins you realize he believes in you but he has to bring you into focus and say do i have your attention you know why we use the term pay attention because it costs something that means something else has to be sacrificed for this particular thing to get the attention You don't have enough time or enough skill set or enough, you're you're not everywhere and can think everything and do everything. Something has to be sacrificed. I I love what I think Jesus is saying here. What could I do with your life if you really love me? I know you love me, but what could I really do with your life if you really love me, <laughs> all in? I have your undivided attention. Because if we ask right now, what has your attention? I'm not sure in this room, even people who are, attend faithfully and follow Christ. What has your attention? Is it money? Is it work? Is it stress? Is it what has your attention? What would it take for him to have your attention? That's a scary thought. Back to storms. True freedom. The ability to know what you should do. The desire to want to do it. The faith and power to live it out. The ability to know what you should do. Do you even want to know? If he had your undivided attention, do you want to know? Then if you did, would you even want to do it? Because he'll give you the faith and power to live it out. That part's not an issue. Peter gave Jesus his undivided attention. Fifth, in Acts chapter 2, we see Peter, and I'm not going to read the scripture there because it's a long and And we preached on that, you know, we preached for Acts for a long time a few summers ago. Remember that, guys? If you want to go back and listen to all that, there's a lot of preaching on Acts. Uh, But but the specific one I'm talking about in Acts chapter 2, for most of you would know, is on the day of Pentecost. Peter was a changed man. Transformed by the Spirit. Peter was changed. And what's so awesome about this elevation thought that we talk about, Jesus came along and elevated people. Guess what Peter tells us in Acts chapter 2 when he's preaching to the crowd. What I love about this, Peter doesn't even preach to the crowd and going, Guys, we were just up in that room over there and fire came and there was tongues of fire. There was wind that blew. No, what he said, what, what, what should be encouraging to all of us, he said the Spirit came and it is poured out on all flesh. My sons and daughters... Oh men, oh women, all this. I'm telling you, it's for all of you. I'm elevating all of you. That's good news. I'm elevating today you by the power of the Spirit living in you. You're elevated to walk in that power and authority. Not for your own good, but for the good of others and the good of the kingdom. What did Peter preach? Repent. What did Jesus preach? First sermon? Repent. We in the culture we live in today, that is not a good word. But the only thing I know is that Jesus preached it. Peter preached it. Paul preached it. They all preached it. But they were not preaching condemnation, condemnation, condemnation. What they were preaching was freedom, freedom, freedom. This is the path freedom without repentance there's no transformation it's just not there you can doctor it you can paint it because being aware is not the same as conviction and conviction is not the same as action and without action there is no no transformation You can attend church forever and no change. Peter was changed, transformed by the Spirit. He responded to the call. He came to the point where he knew Jesus was enough. Everything else stripped away. Jesus is enough, and I worship him. and somewhere along the way you realize Jesus not only believes in you he's gifted you he's given you all that then you turn and give him your undivided attention and he pours his spirit out on you and you're changed I want to go back to for a minute to John chapter 21 I'm going to read these verses here It's a continuation of Jesus sitting down with Peter and going, I have your attention. I ask you three times. This is right at the end of John John chapter 21, the last chapter, if you want to look it up in John. It says, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, words that Peter had heard three and a half years earlier on the Sea of Galilee. But it's not the same follow me, is it? It's a different follow me. Follow me. I like this. It's kind of like Jesus going, Peter, I need you to sit down, Bubba. I got something to tell you about your future. It doesn't look good. (laughs) The reason I said earlier... That why it's important to know... That Peter lived another 35 years or so... Is he had this hanging over him. How would you like to know... That God... The the creator of the universe... Prophesies over you... That you're going to die crucified and you don't know when it's going to happen and you just keep walking and you just boldly keep moving keep moving and you just keep moving now think about that i know that may not be but to know that that's going to be your end and you still keep going you think you got issues I already told you about Jesus issues and one day. <laughs> I, think, I was just thinking today, or just thinking yesterday as I worked on this, the call to follow Jesus at the, at the on-ramp of I-30 in New Boston, Texas. Then the call a few years later to go into ministry for a long, full time, going into Reynosa, Mexico, with a few sponsors and twenty five students. And the call I have today are different calls. And one of the part of that is leading a church and knowing that you're going to pour in and pour in and pour in, and hope and pray that God brings people that their lives are transformed. But there's also a sadness that goes with that. Follow me. And excitement too. Over the next few weeks, a few of our folks will no longer be a part of what we're doing here at Renovation, at least not consistently. I met with Vince and Claudia this week, and, and Vince is stepping down from the volunteer staff position he's had for the last couple of years. And, and he and Claudia, God, is doing something in their lives in this great adventure. You know, one of the things that excites you as a pastor is you say, this is a great adventure, folks. <laughs> And it should excite you when people begin, continue to live into that. And we look at Al. Al's not here today. I thought he might be, but Alula or Al, most of you know Al's moving to Louisiana here in a couple of weeks. But I mean, from Vincent, and Claudia coming here, not knowing Christ and then, then vested their lives into renovation from staff and board and Alula coming, Al coming where he just totally suspect of everybody, including me and my family and to see him being transformed. It should excite us and be sad at the same time, because you want people to follow him. Right. Right. You know that I, I do want to say just one thing to I think Vincent and Claudia, the only ones here, Al's not here, and I'll get a chance to say it to him. It, it is my hope. That while you were here, God used this season to build your life up, to change you. I know we were not the only ones. But when we opened this church seven years ago, we opened this church with this philosophy. Hands open, not hands closed. We prayed that God would create a place here where it was a launching pad. Where people would go and if they're here only here for a season sometimes a long season we don't want people we're not, we're not trying to get people to leave and go elsewhere but we just pray guys that we've been that and you have given us so much and we hope and pray as you look back on your years here that it's, that it's fond and you realize how much we love you and you're always welcome back here that's for sure but we're just so thankful for these, these years we've had and just so appreciative and again, I, some people would think of me kind of as maybe flipping or cold-hearted. But when somebody comes to me and says, God has shown them something, man, I, I, I am all for them. I'm all for them following after that. But I'll tell you, the other excitement for me is, is God's up to something here in the life of Renovation Church. And if they're not here, then somebody's supposed to step up. <laughs> There's going to be people, what I think is awesome is, there are going to be people, just like it was one of the things I said before we came to renovation seven years ago, was there are people that are going to be even part of our life after we make that move, that we just feel like they they were always part of our life. And that's the case with Vince and Claudia now. People are coming. I'm more excited, i was sharing this with Josiah. I'm more excited right now what God's doing. I have this sense right now of what God is doing at renovation church a lot like i did when we came over here seven years ago this summer this next three months if you'll lock in here with us and you'll walk lockstep with us i believe god's about to do some things now you can sit on the back and be a spectator these folks weren't you can you can sit back and spectate all you want to i'm telling you the only way you ever finally feel this call and moving is to step in is to be all in you got to be all in what I, what I love about back to this passage of scripture with Peter and the storm, again, I appreciate you and Josiah reading my reading God's mind. What I love about it is is that you know Peter had to look back on that with fondness, okay. But one of the things I drew out of that was, and I hope it's where you are today, that you've not come here for comfort. I want to go to a church where I'm comfortable because I hope you are not comfortable here in that sense. Okay, but one of the things I love is Peter would rather get out of the boat with Jesus where it's dangerous than stay in the boat without him where it seems safe. (laughs) Peter would rather be out of the boat with Jesus. Than staying in the boat without him, where it seems safe. I love what John Eldridge says. As we close, I ask Josiah and him to come on up. I love what he says. He says the most dangerous man on earth is the man who has reckoned with his own death. See, this is Peter. How did Peter live another thirty-five years? Lived another 35 years with this hanging over his head? The most dangerous man on earth is the man who has reckoned with his own death. All men die, few men ever really live. Sure, you can create a safe life for yourself and end your days in a rest home babbling on about some forgotten misfortune. I'd rather go down swinging. Besides, the less we are trying to save ourselves, the more effective a warrior we will be. With great expectation, I look to the future. I may may not be able to tell the future. But I can make a decision today and every day to follow Him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. So someday, when I stand before the creator of the universe... I'll know I hadn't missed out. I didn't get it all right right here. But a one thing I want to know, and I've told you as I leave this campus on a regular basis, Lord, this is your work. It never has been mine. This is your campus. This is your church. It's surrendered to you. I don't surrender my responsibility in it, but I surrender the results to you. Follow me follow me I'm sad and excited today I'm excited for what God is going to do I'm sad that we won't walk it out with some of the folks we walked it out with for a long time but in both cases the kingdom is going to advance and we are so excited about that so excited and one of the reasons is we're going to sing Ain't No Grave. Did you know that, Josiah? I'm okay, we're going to do that. Because we serve a God, even in your storms and all the mess, it never goes in vain because there ain't no grave going to hold it down. We serve a God who is risen. He serve, we serve a God who takes things from the past that feel yucky and we should have wished. He brings it back up and uses it for his glory. Even the worst the enemy can bring. God can use for his glory. Won't you stand with me? We're going to sing. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you today for the journey. We thank you for today, for the people you have brought into our lives, whether it's just for this one day and they stepped off in here. Lord, we pray that we have spoken word into their life through song or through fellowship or through the written word, your word. Lord, whatever that is, if it's only one day, one Sunday, that it be a day that you got a hold of their life and you got their undivided attention. Because God, I believe this with all my heart. You're a God who loves us. You're on our side. You are coming after us. And you are relentless. And we just want to say thank you for being that God. We love you, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's sing together as we close today. I'm going to come join you up here a little bit.